need a new podcast check out coma girl by stephanie bond it's a daily podcast that can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts in coma girl the victim of a tragic event lies in a hospital bed at the mercy of dysfunctional family friends and caretakers who all think she can't hear them but she so can a romantic comedy mystery written by stephanie bond that builds an intensity as it unfolds over six months The Coma Girl Fiction Podcast is available on your favorite podcatcher. Listen to Coma Girl Podcast by Stephanie Bond and find out how much you can learn about people when they think you're asleep. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, it's another great day here at Read Me Romance. You're here (laughs) for the other half of Dylan Allen. Between Us and Forever, yeah, with Dylan Allen. We've got the second part of that book that's coming up in just a little bit, and we'll talk about her in just a second. But before that, you said that you got some stuff from Chrissy Teigen, and I wanted to know, what did you order? I got the pan. Oh, you got the cooking stuff. Hell yeah. It was, and it came today. It was in like three boxes with it. It wasn't a cheap pan, but no. I was like, we don't have a ton of pots and pans, but I like a certain style for spaghetti mm-hmm. or whatever when yeah, I do yeah. cook. I underestimated this dish. It's huge, right? It's huge. It's and it and is not, heavy. And not only that, it's like I think you could bake it. Like bake that bottom. It's like made of Yeah. It's cast iron. It's it is an cast enamel iron. it's an enamel coated cast iron. Yes, it can go in the oven. So I like picked up like this is heavy. Do you know but what you're gonna make it? it? My husband was like, this is awesome. <laughs> no, it is. It's great. I was like, Her cooking oh. equipment is outstanding. I've never it's used nice. anything of hers that I didn't like in the cook and, in the kitchen. Yeah. And then I got um, the popcorn thing because we have popcorn every Friday and my yeah. husband always seasons his and they had a seasoning set. But one was like birthday cake and it had sprinkles in it. Ooh, and one's like that. Cajun. I'm like, like yeah, I just almost like this. a pepper or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look so really fun. We're gonna try that this week. I'm like getting because we never get to do anything. It's like I'm spicing up as much as I can do on Friday nights. <laughs> I even bought a huge cheese board the other day to put all of our cheese on because we've just been putting it on plates. Oh, hello. And now I'm like, How oh my fancy. god, <laughs> Do you know what that that cast iron? It's probably the Dutch oven that you got. Is that the one you got? It's the Dutch oven. Do you know it has a lid to it? Yeah, a gold, that one. It's got a little gold thing at the top. It's like oval. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is great for pot roast. That's what I do my pot roast in, and it is the best. So I'll have to send you a recipe for that one. So I actually posted on Instagram today, and I also emailed Cravings by Chrissy Teigen because I, I, I am a big fan of her products. And when she had, like, the robes and everything that came out, I got really excited. You know, I sent an email. I sent you a text about mm-hmm. it. I got it the day it went live. I ordered like a robe and slippers and all this other stuff. And like I said, every kitchen thing I've ever got from her has been five star. So I got the robe and it sort of fit when I got it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I washed it and I was going to wear it that night. And it shrunk up so much I couldn't even, like, it won't even close. And I got the biggest size they had and it kind of bummed me out. But I let it go. 
And so I got an email from them again today saying that one of their things had been restocked, their robes. And I was like, let me just go look at this other one and see if the other one has bigger sizes. So I went on and it didn't. It was the same sizing as before. And I was like, that's, I don't know why I would buy such, why would I have bought this if I looked at the sizing and it wasn't the right size? I would have just not bought it if it wasn't at my size, you know? And I was like, that's just not like me. I almost, uh, because I'm a big woman, like I'm used to having to check sizes and check them pretty diligently. So I went on and I looked at the sizing chart she has and you can get sizes one through five on the robe. And I picked the five and on the sizing chart, it says size five is a 2XL to a 4XL. And I was like, you know, that's just ridiculous. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't this fit? And I go and look and I look at the pictures and they have models wearing the different sizes. And I posted all of this on Instagram and I tagged cravings because I said, I really hope you guys see this. I said, not because I want my money back. And I I don't, you know, that's that it is what it is. Shit happens when you buy stuff and it's not their fault. But I think it's false advertising because when I'm looking through and I see the models, I go to the biggest model they have on there. She's wearing a size five robe and I go down before below and it, her name's Ryan and it says Ryan's wearing a size five. She's a 16, 18 dress size. And I was like, how are you going to mark a 2XL, 4XL on a 16, 18? Yeah. Like that blew my mind. And I thought I never would have bought it had they had the sizing size one through five. If they would have said size five fits a 16, 18, I wouldn't have bought it. Cause I would have thought it's a robe. It may barely fit me. That's yeah, not it's gotta like go a, all the way around. Yeah. A robe's supposed to be loose and flowy yeah. and comfortable and I should be able to wash it. Because it's a robe. Like, it's going to get nasty, you it's know? It's so soft, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. And, like, that's the thing. I was like, like, it really, and the, th- the fact that this robe was $88. That was the most I have ever spent on a bathrobe. <laughs> Me like, too. Like, beyond. And so, I just thought, like, I just didn't think that was fair. So, yeah. I, I Because did, when you buy from her, you trust it's going to be good. That's, that's why exactly you're like, it. okay. It's $88, but this is going to be an $88 row. That's exactly. And I said that on the video, too, when I recorded it in my Instagram stories. I said, the quality is not what I'm questioning here. It is a quality product. And I would gladly pay $88 for another one of those robes that fit me. I said, the problem lies is that you're not showing the sizing correctly. And that's frustrating for buyers to pay $88 to invest in something that you're telling me. And I said, and what really bothers me is a size one is that extra, extra small and a size two is a small. I was like, you cannot tell me that there's that much of a difference between a one and a two, but a size five has a difference of a size 16, 18 to a four X. Like this is just like, oh, well that encompasses every other size above this. Like (laughs) it just like, it really chapped my ass. Like to the point that I wrote them a fucking email. Like I was so upset about it. I wonder if they'll respond. I, I just, I, I would, I can't imagine that they wouldn't just because it's a small company. Like she said before, like it's her and like three other women that run this. And then they have the people that do the distribution. But like I said, and I said in the email, I feel like I was really clear and really like positive about it, but also direct and saying like, I don't think this is fair. The sizing you have on the website, I don't think it represents plus size women. This is not size inclusive. Don't try to make it seem like it is. 
And it's not. I'm like, and I said, I should have expected more from Chrissy Teigen because of the caliber of her products. I said, but I almost am not surprised because she is a, I said, she's a model. She's a professional model. And I said, and maybe that's the sizing that she based it on, but that's not reality. And when you say 4XL, that's what I think as a consumer. So yeah. like, I'm, I wrote a long-winded email. Obviously, I'm fired up about it, but like, it really bugged me, you know, enough for me to, to send it to somebody and say something. But I just thought like, if it were me, I'd want to know. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I would be surprised if they didn't respond. But I, I wasn't mean. To, in every my company email. is supposed to re- at least respond with a generic response. Yeah, like, oh, we got your email. Thank you. We'll get to you shortly. We're checking and just into never, it. Yeah, and just never respond back. But I do feel like I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, I've, it was enough to where I was just like, I'm gonna say. And I even said, like, on the Instagram stories, I said I recommended this robe on the podcast before I washed it, and I'm really <laughs> disappointed that I did that. So I'm gonna, you know, just go back to my previous statement and change it a little bit. If you're within this size range, I would say go for it. If you're if you're an eight, it's 16, I'd say think it over because <laughs> I'd say I'm an 18 slash 20, and it did not work for me at all so that's my that's my hill i'm on right now oh when i wear my i have ugg slippers because i'm like yeah i'm Uh obsessed with slippers i always wear slippers so i went and i got a couple of nice pair and i walk around the ugg slippers in the robe my husband's like you're so bougie (laughs) get out of here I'm like, technically, this is the nicest I get dressed up because I don't go anywhere. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> this is me dressed up. <laughs> I know. Like, if, if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's invest in loungewear because that's <laughs> yeah. what you're going to wear all the time. Yeah. You know, I used to do the Fabletics, like the, the VIP thing where you pay, what is it? It's like $49 a month or something, but you get a credit towards leggings. And if you buy leggings, they don't charge you. They just charge you for whatever you buy your leggings at. I, I used to do the membership and I stopped it like a couple of years ago. And like, a, it was like maybe three or four months ago. I was like, you know what? I'm starting that back up. We need some more leggings. <laughs> we need we need more yoga pants in the life. <laughs> I've actually so. gotten away from yoga pants, surprisingly. I've worn them for so long, but now I'm like sweatpants. Yeah. I don't I want feel, it. I want it off me. I'm like, get off me. I love sweat. I do have a couple of sweatpants that I like. I have a pair of Nike ones that I love. I have a pair of Torrid ones that I love too that are really cozy. But the thing I love about the Fabletics is the side pocket. And I feel like that pocket on the side, dude, like you can't beat that. Like to slide your phone down in there and then never have to think about it again is great. (laughs) Victoria's Secret's workout pants have those. Yeah, like the pocket on the side. I love it. It's my favorite. But um, today I went to the grocery store and I bought like three bunches of flowers and I like bundled them up. They're here on my desk. I'll show you, but they're huge. But um, I was, you know, it, it's weird. This time of year, I always think about my grandma. Her birthday was March 1st and she would have been 97, which is like, I mean, she, you know, she was my favorite. Like I loved her so much. And um, we were really, really close for her being my grandmother, like super close. And I just adore her. But anyways, I've been thinking about her a lot lately, and as I was, like, putting these flowers in the vase, I thought to myself, I can't remember the last time I bought her flowers, 
And I used to bring her flowers all oh the time. Oh my god, I was just thinking that when you were saying the flowers, I was like, I haven't been to my grandma's grave in a long time. Yeah, like, it's not even, like, to take her grave. Like, I haven't been to her grave since she died. I just, you know, I have this, I don't know. I just don't think that, I think nothing happens when you die. And maybe that's sad. I don't know if that's, I, like, I don't I know. think the reason that it bothers me sometimes is because, and I don't even know if this is the right way to say it. It might be offensive, but this is what we called it. Yeah. We used to go grave stomping every year. Yeah. Every year. There was a weekend we went grave stopping and she took us and we would, she took us and we had to yeah. see all these people and she'd tell the same stories about like <clears throat> my great, 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 great uncle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I feel like she always did it. And so it kind of makes me feel bad that I don't go stomp her grave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Hmm. I like, I haven't, uh, you know, like I said, I haven't been to her gravesite since she died. Like, I just, she's in my heart. Like, that's where I carry her. But when I would go visit her, like, at her house when she was alive, I would take her flowers. And I couldn't remember the last time I bought her flowers. And I was thinking today, as I was, like, putting this arrangement together, I was like, if she were alive, she would bring me flowers. Like, she would, she would want me to have flowers. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, she would... I don't know. Like, uh, it was a weird moment. Like, as I was doing it, I just thought she would want me to have flowers if she was here now. She would want me to have them all over my house because they make me happy. And it was something that always made her happy. And I just thought, I don't know who else needs to hear this, but buy yourself some fucking flowers. I I was thinking that the other day I bought myself some flowers. Somebody asked me. They were like, who are you in flowers for? I was like, myself? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think it's so important to do that because, you know, if there was a woman in your life that loved you and that isn't around anymore, she would want to bring you flowers. And if she can't do that, then do that for her. Give yourself flowers from her. I I like that. Yeah. It just really meant a lot today when I was thinking about her and I was like, I'm going to get those. And I got like, like it's like a shit ton. I wanted to get ham and I walked out with like an armful of flowers. <laughs> you got a ham and an armful of flowers. I did. I did. I was like, this is a great day. <laughs> so I don't know. And then I saw something else too and I saved it. I, th- I think I mentioned her on Tuesday's episode. But if you're not familiar with Corey Noel, she's a bookstagrammer. So Corey Noel, she runs a Facebook page. It's called Culture 101. And it says, Culture 101 is a safe place where authors and sensitivity sensitivity readers can learn from people of different ethnic backgrounds, walks of life, and experiences. I wanted to create a safe space for open and honest dialogue without the fear of judgment, feeling dumb or bullying of any kind. As long as we treat each other with kindness, respect, and compassion in this group, we will be fine. There are no stupid questions. How can we grow if we don't learn? And how can we learn if we don't ask questions? If any author needs a sensitivity reader of any background, I got you covered. I want to support and help provide the resources, sensitivity readers, and editors for authors here. I also want to help authors be the best allies they can be and to encourage you to responsibly write worlds of color. I love this new adventure and opportunity for all of us to listen, grow, and help each other. Thanks for being here. And it is an awesome group. Like, uh, Nana Malone was talking about that group on one of her stories. And I was like, I need to go check this out. So I messaged Corey and I said, 
Hey, I didn't catch the name of what what is it again? And it's called Culture 101. It's on Facebook. I think it's a really great place for for readers as well. They have a book club that they books about racism and stuff like that. If you're interested at all in, in learning and growing, I thought it was a fantastic place, not only for an author, but someone to come in and ask a question. And like she said, like, you know, there's not feeling dumb or or insensitive or anything, just being asking an honest question. And to have like, if you're motivated to write, um, you know, if you're white and you want to write, you know, characters of color or whatever it is in your book, you know, to write outside that she provides a place for you to get feedback on that and to have readers that will read your book and tell you if this is insensitive, if this is culturally right, if this is too much or not enough or yeah, it's really cool. So uh, uh, and Corey has so much that she does. So she has that that she runs and she has her perfectly posh like beauty store that she runs too. And then she has her bookstagram where she posts up reviews and books she's read and just all kinds of awesome stuff. So it like that's really cool. And then today um, she posted up this thing where um, she wanted to do like a, a book box, like a romance book box. And she was like, oh, well, somebody's already done it on Instagram. And her friend has recorded this video and she posted it. And her friend was like, so what? Like when Rihanna did Fenty, there was already Victoria's Secret, you know, and then she turned around and did her or when she did her makeup, Mac was already out there. You know, she was yeah. like, just because other people have done it, you know, doesn't mean you can't do it. And maybe you haven't, there's not a you out there. And like, that's what it was saying in the video. So I just thought that was really cool. And then the, this screenshot came up and I saved it and it said, I want to encourage everyone that has says, I can't do it because someone else already did it. No one can ever be you. Do you boo? We only get one life. Don't sleep on your dreams. And that's what it said on the thing was don't sleep on your dreams. And I was just like, damn, that was really powerful. Like, I'd send it to her. I was like, that hit my heart today. Like, like, because I think, you know, there's part of me that always thinks like, I, I don't know, like, I can't do it because somebody else has done it or mine's not going to be as good as the other one. You know, like, I I think I even said that the first time I read uh, the A Court of Thorns and Roses, like the Sarah J. Mass book, I, I, I was reading it. And part of me was like, I'll never write a book this good. And it wasn't because... I'm not good enough. It's be, it's because it. I didn't think mine would be better than that, you know, and it doesn't have to be better. It just has yeah. to be yours, you know, and I think that's one thing like I've, I forget a lot, you know, like even though we started out thinking like, well, why can't we write a book? Everybody else writes books. Why can't <laughs> we write a romance, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I think that's what pushed us to do it. But along the way. I lose, I have doubts in myself. I lose confidence sometimes. And I think like, a mine's not as good. Like, I can't do this. I can't do that. But why not? You know? Yeah. It was just a nice little reminder today. So tell me about your daughter driving. <laughs> I haven't been able to do it. So my dad's been taking her, which is the best person. My dad taught me how to drive. And I got Is like, he patient? Yes. Is he really? Yes. Oh, and he even said, he was like, I'm more patient than all of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been taking her and I guess they got in a fight because I guess he made her sit on a pillow 
Because she's like, I can see over the steering wheel. It's like, no, you can't. And so she's like, yes, I can. So we made her get out of the car. And Oliver got in the car. And he was like, set how she was setting. And Oliver's like, I can't see shit. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. And I, But she goes, it's, um, she said he's degrading her. <laughs> Why? She's like, it's just. It's degrading to have to sit on a pillow. I was like, life's going to be hard, dude. <laughs> I know, right? So, like, is she? Is it because she's just so short? Yeah. How tall is she? I don't know. I'd have to ask her. Do you think she's, like, five foot at least? Mm, yeah. Oh, wow. Do you know? What? Go ahead. Oh, I was. So, they got in a huge fight, and she was like, I'm not riding with Papa no more. And she comes in, she's telling me a story. And before she went over her mouth, before I knew anything, she's like, Me and Papa got in a fight. And I was like, You better go apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't see anything. I was like, Better go apologize. <laughs> You're like, It doesn't matter. I know it's your fault, and you need to make this right. <laughs> a friend of mine was telling me her daughter has Turner syndrome, and it's like where her daughter was missing a chromosome when she was born. And part of that means that uh, it affects her height, like her growth hormones are different, like her ability to reproduce, like to all these things. Like It affects a lot of things. And she said, we've talked about doing growth hormones because her mom is like, she's like five foot, if that. And she said, you know, if she's not as tall as me, she said it really is difficult in life. And I was like, I thought about it and I've never really had to consider being short because I'm tall, you know, I never, I was like, well, how, like, tell me where, where do you think like the problems will lie in this? And she said, well, driving a car for one thing. She said, I have a hard time driving a car. And I was like, really? Like, I just never thought about it. I thought like all cars would, would work for short people. No, but my, I ne- Yeah. My dad even said, we'll probably have to get hers adjusted. Oh God. Like, what does she drive? What does Isabel drive? She's been driving Oliver's Jeep, but I thought I was going to get her a Jeep. But now I'm kind of like, well, I'm not going to get her a Jeep. Maybe get her like a car or something? Yeah, because she drove, then she drove Grandma's car and she's like, I feel more comfortable on this. I was like, yeah, because you can see. Yeah, yeah. Well, even like, I will say the Highlander that I got, I liked it because the seat adjusted up. Yeah. And it like, it can't, it like tilt, and it could tilt forward. So like you could go forward like this on it, which I thought was kind of nice too. But one of the things that I always joke about driving was I learned how to drive with my dad in my dad's car. And my dad's thing was, he's like, you can drive my car, but you better not move the seat. Like, I ha- I mean, this was old school. He used to drive a Crown Victorian, like a cop car. Yeah. Like those big boats. That was his company car. So he always drove that. And he was like, don't move my seat. So figure it out. So I learned to drive with my tiptoes. And even as tall as I am, I mean, I'm 5'9". Like, I learned to drive with the ends of my feet. Why can't you move the seat and move it back? Oh, no, you just don't move it. He didn't He didn't want you to move his seat. One of the things I think was because the old Crown Vicks, the front seat was a bench seat. So when you moved it up, the passenger seat moved up, too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. back in the day, the whole thing moved forward. So when we had to move it up, he would hit his knees on the dash. And he was like, figure it out. Don't move the seat. Yeah. So, like, we weren't allowed to. So I learned to drive sitting straight up. 
with the tips of my toes on the pedals. And so that's how I drive to this day. As soon as I get in the car, I shove it all the way back as far as it'll go. And I sit my seat straight up. And my husband gets in my car and he's like, how do you drive like this? And he has to move the car seat up. Like he has to move it. Like he's tall. He's six foot. He's taller than me. And he has to move the seat forward. But I'd I'd like to joke with my dad. He traumatized me. (laughs) But that's just how I drive. I've never been in an accident, knock on wood. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to tell you guys about um, Between Us and Forever with Dylan Allen. I know we talked about it a little bit last week. You're about to get the second installment of it. It is narrated by Tracy Marks and Aaron Shedlock. And like I said last week as well, this book, she sort of stretched it out and um, made it into a full length novel. And it's called The Sounds of Temptation. It is a standalone Second chance forbidden romance. So got all know, those just, tropes in it's there. It's got it's got all the tropes that you could possibly want. It's super sexy. I love Dylan. That's what to go get next. Um follow her on Instagram too for all the great um giveaways and everything. Sounds of Temptation, you can pre-order now. It comes out on March 29th. On her Instagram, she is Peddler of Passion, which I think is just the most clever name ever. So you can go check that out. And uh, be sure to check out the giveaways this week. And also check out our new spring merch that we have that's going to be on our social media. It's on Teespring, but you can find it on there. And also find it in our Read Me Romance headquarters or sign up for our newsletter and you'll get it that way. So we'll send you to the final installment and we'll see you on the other side. Chapter 3. Liz. As soon as the words leave my lips, I want to pull them back. I don't even know who I am right now. Twenty minutes ago, I hoped I wouldn't have to face him looking like this. And now, I'm challenging him to kiss me. Maybe it's the way he touched my scar, like it's as precious as the rest of me. After the way Billy discarded me, I never imagined that anyone would touch me so tenderly again. I can't believe I'm fucking touching you. His voice is gruff and low, and I can barely hear him over the thundering of my heart and the rush of blood in my ears. I can't believe this is happening either. Well, are you going to make me ask you a third time? The bold me, the old me, asks. His eyes narrow and his gaze fixes on my mouth. No. His hand slides into my hair and his fingers splay before they contract and grasp a fistful of my hair and turn my head sharply to the right so that my left cheek faces the light that's above our heads. He peers at the skin, and I shut my eyes against the disgust I expect to see. Do you remember what I was singing the night we met? I nod. Of course I do. I think about you every time I hear it. I don't tell him that sometimes I put the record on and listen to Roberta Flack and Donnie Hathaway wax poetic about the first time they ever saw each other. That song is still how I feel about you. The sun rises when you look at me. My heart quakes in my chest, and I moan in pleasure. He always had such a way with words. Open your eyes, Beth. I want you to see what I see. His command is delivered so softly that I nearly open my eyes. But my fear lingers, and I shake my head. Trust me, he asks, and that I do. So, I open my eyes and look into his eyes. My heart starts to flutter, like a captive bird trying to find its way out of its cage and into the well of adoration I see there. Beth, my world was so ugly. The lens that I saw life through was caked with dirt, 
And then you came into it and cleared it all away. For the first time in my life, I saw myself through eyes that didn't resent me. You helped me see my talent, the promise of a future I hadn't imagined. You gave me a glimpse of what was possible if I could just get past the shit I was stuck in. When I left you here, I promised I would be back, and everything I've done since has been so that I could fulfill that promise. Each word pulls apart a link in the chain I'd wrapped around my hope and my heart. Oh, Carter. He pulls my head back so it's upright, and then leans forward and presses his warm, soft, full lips to the center of my scar. He lingers there, and warmth spreads from his touch, and like rays of light seeking the dark, it slips past the cracks around my heart and starts to thaw parts of it that had grown cold. He pulls back and looks me in the eye. Now, baby, tell me what you see. I stare into them, and it's like falling back in time. Carter always looked at me like I was a miracle. But no, it's not possible. Not after all this time. Not after the life he's lived. I don't know. Then let me show you. The deep growl in the back of his throat is the last thing I hear before his lips crash down on mine. The touch is so electric, so fucking hot. When my lips part on a gasp, his tongue sweeps inside. Like a pillaging pirate looking for his lost treasures, he plunders my mouth. My body is ablaze with desire, and his lips are reminding me of what it felt like to be completely at the mercy of my passion. His mouth tastes like sugar and mint, and I am being consumed by his kiss. Need, the likes of which I've never known, races like wildfire through my veins, and I think I'm fucking dying. The hand in my hair contracts as his strong arm wraps around my waist and pulls me into his lap. I press my knees into the cushion and straddle him. He cups my ass and I rock my hips, press my chest into his, hold his head still so that I can feast on him. I didn't realize how ravenous I was until the one thing that could satisfy my hunger was in my arms. We've gone from zero to 60, and the insistent press of his cock into the heat that's pooling between my legs is making me insane. Our lips suck, nibble, and tongues tingle. He fucks my mouth like I know he wants to fuck my pussy, and I am coming apart already. I rock back and forth on him, so the blunt head of his cock hits my clit just right every time. His hands tighten in my hair and on my ass in the same rhythmic clenching, and his breathing grows ragged, and I pant into his mouth and cup his face. No one has ever kissed me like this. And no one ever will. These lips were made for mine to kiss. He growls and nips my lower lip before he licks the sting away. His lips trail down my chin and his hand slides up my side and he grabs my breast. You've got the most incredible tits, Beth. His hand closes over it, not gently, but with the same hunger he was kissing me with. Fuck, I want to suck those nipples. See if they're as sweet as I've dreamed. He starts to lift my shirt, and I lean back to give him access. My nipple throbs, like it's going to demand he keep his word. I need... The door flies open, and the sound of shouting from the restaurant breaks our kiss. Come on, man, we gotta go. It's turning into a mob out there. Fuck, he growls, pulls my shirt down, and then lifts me off his lap, sets me down, and stands up. It takes me a second to gather myself, but when I do, I see the voice belongs to Dane West the enigmatic drummer of his band. His cold gaze flicks over me. 
Sorry to bust up your fucking or whatever, but we've got to get the fuck out of here. There's a mob outside. The cops are trying to control them, but we need to leave before they start breaking shit. That gets my attention, and I stand up and start heading for the door. No, Beth, stay here. If they see you, you'll need a police escort to take you home. I'll leave first. My heart sinks. This is it. His show is in a few hours, and tomorrow he'll be gone. Okay. I swallow down my disappointment and rush to him. I ignore his bandmate and press up on my toes to cup his face and bring his mouth back down to mine for another kiss. He wraps his arms around my waist and pulls me off my feet. His lips move over mine, hungry like they hadn't just finished ravaging them. That's fucking nice and shit, but dude, we gotta go. Dane drawls. Carter presses one last hard kiss to my lips before he pulls back. Thank you for coming. I'll never forget this. He cocks his head at me in amusement. A smirk pulls up the corners of his mouth. This isn't goodbye. He reaches into his back pocket and pulls out a white envelope. There are four tickets in there. I want to see you at the show. And even though it's so much more than I should have hoped for, I feel a keen sense of disappointment. I swallow it whole. How many people get a chance to experience the kind of passion I did just now? Carter could be anywhere he wanted in the world right now, with women far more beautiful. But he came to see me. My lips are stinging and raw from the fierce, wet kisses we just shared. Tomorrow, when he leaves for his next tour stop, I'll still feel this kiss. That will be enough. The unsatisfied ache between my thighs screams, speak for yourself, sister. I silently chastise myself for being so fucking greedy and plaster a wide smile on my face as I take the envelope from him. Oh, wow. Thank you. Dina's going to die of happiness. And I'm just glad that I'll get to see you one more time. He bites his full bottom lip and gives me a slightly quizzical look. Then he lowers his head and swipes his lips across mine, and my eyes flutter closed on their own accord at the touch. It's the gentlest of kisses, just his lips caressing mine, but it sets off a riot of butterflies inside me. Open your eyes, Beth, he murmurs against my mouth. I do, and find myself staring into his gorgeous green gaze. And in them, I see what looks a lot like a promise I'm afraid he won't be able to keep. These fucking seats are right on the side of the stage, Dina exclaims for the third time this evening. Watch your language tonight. I invited my friend Cal, and she has a 10-year-old daughter. If she has a 10-year-old who hasn't heard the word fuck before, then I don't want to hang out with her, she quips and puts down the curling iron she's been using. I'm nervous enough as it is, Dean, so please behave, I snap, annoyed that this is the third time I've had to reapply my lipstick. My hands are so unsteady. I'm a bundle of excitement and nerves. I just want tonight to be amazing. Why are you nervous? You're going to end the night getting fucked by your hot, famous boyfriend after he spends the night serenading you in front of 30,000 people. My hand slips again and draws another red line down my chin. I toss the tube down on my vanity. It's clearly not meant to be. I wipe it off and put on some chapstick. Please stop exaggerating. He just gave me tickets to the show. I don't have any expectations. What's the point of living if you don't expect anything from life, Liz? I slip on the stack of bracelets I only take off to shower and for work. One for every month since my divorce. 
I'm three away from twelve, and I can't wait to have a year of my life that I can say I lived on my terms. The point is that I get to live, and expectations just lead to disappointment. Yeah, I get that, but we can't help it, can we? You and me, we've always been romantics. Expectations are in our DNA. Remember all of those books we used to read? I sit down on the bed with her and can't repress my smile when I remember the hours we spent sneaking my mom's romance novels from her nightstand and falling in love with every single guy in the books we read. We practiced kissing on our pillows and dreamed of boys who would sweep us off our feet. Yeah, but those boys only exist in books. Well, apparently yours is also a magician because he jumped out of the pages of your fairy tale and he's riding in on a white horse and holding out a hand to you. You should take it. Oh my God, you're so dramatic. It's Houston, the third largest city in America. Every band comes here on tour. He just came to see me because he happened to be in town. Oh, is that why you almost let him fuck you in my office? God, I'm sorry I told you that. It was the heat of the moment, nostalgia. We had something special back then, but it's not like that, not anymore. Now I've gotten him out of my system. Oh, is that why you spent the whole day sniffing that jacket he left behind? Because he's out of your system? I growl in frustration. Dina, I'm trying so hard not to get my hopes up. I am so afraid of what it'll feel like when he leaves again that I don't want to think about it. She gives me an understanding smile, but shakes her head. He came for you. I close my eyes and fall backward onto the bed at the surge of hope I feel at those words. I'm such a fool, Dina. When he handed me that envelope tonight, a part of me hoped they were plane tickets. How stupid, right? I open one eye to look at her when she doesn't respond. She's watching me with the biggest smile on her face, and I quirk my lips in surprise. Why are you looking at me like I'm your kid on their first day of school? Because I'm so glad you still have those dreams, she says, and her eyes mist over with tears, and she brushes one away. A surge of tenderness watches over me, and I wrap an arm around her. Oh, Dina, I'm sorry. I forget that it's been a hard year for you, too. Thank you for being here for me. She gives me a tremulous smile and shakes her head. The only hard thing has been watching you struggle, but I'm so proud of the way you picked yourself up after everything. I've hardly finished. Thank you for giving me a job. It took real courage to walk away from everything and start over. I wish I'd done it sooner, like you did. Well, it was much easier for me. I wasn't married to the asshole who was also the sheriff of our stupid little town. My heart squeezes when I remember the day Dina drove out of the little town we'd grown up in. I thought I'd never see her again. I'd felt so alone and scared. She'd been my only friend. The only person who knew how I still felt about Carter. The only person who knew the woman behind the perfect wife everyone else saw. Let's not go back there tonight. She grabs my hands and smiles, her tears clearing away. Yes, not tonight. Tonight is going to be amazing. I hop off the bed and gesture at my skin-tight jeans and the skimpy, practically backless top Dina forced me into wearing. Do I look okay? Girl, you look like a fucking snack. He's going to eat you alive. She gives me a roguish grin. I shiver at the thought, but push it aside. I just want to enjoy tonight. I slip my feet into the sexy silver slingbacks with the four-inch heel that I bought on an impulse when I first moved to Houston, but have never worn. 
I'm just spritzing on some perfume when the doorbell rings. Since when does Uber ring the doorbell? Dina asks and runs to brush through her long hair one more time. I haven't ordered our Uber yet. I walk over to my bedroom window and peek outside. There's a black Cadillac Escalade parked at the curb in front of my house. Hmm, I'll go. I turn around and find that Dina's already left the room. I hear the beep of the alarm right before she screams. I start running, thinking maybe my parents have finally made good on their promise to force me back home. Dina, who is it? I run down the short hallway of my apartment and skid to a stop when I see Dina standing, holding a bouquet of flowers so big that it completely obscures her face. What's going on? I demand, and then peer at the man standing in my doorway. He's huge and nearly fills the entire doorway. He's dressed in all black and wearing sunglasses even though it's dark now. He's frowning impatiently at us. He sent flowers, Lizzie, Dina squeals and thrusts the huge bouquet at me. I take them, but put them down to question the man who brought them. Who brought flowers? Who sent you? I ask sharply. I'm Tony. Mr. Page did, ma'am. He sent me to escort you and your friends to the show tonight. Oh my God, he sent a fucking carriage. Dina squeals, clutches her hand to her chest, and pretends to faint. I just stare between her, the man, and the flowers in disbelief. You came for me? Because Carter sent you? I ask, saying each word slowly to make sure I didn't misunderstand. Yes, ma'am. I'll drive you and your guests to the venue and make sure you find your seats, he says in a clipped monotone. I look at Dina and say, Oh my God, he really sent a carriage. She nods brightly. Girl, he really sent a carriage. We link hands and giggle like preteens. My heart is off on a wild gallop. The lasso I had wrapped around my expectations comes flying off, and they take off too. Tonight, I'm not going to be afraid to hope. Tonight, I'm going to take everything the world hands me and wear it like a coat of dreams. I'll wait by the car. Come down when you're ready, Tony says. Oh, I'm ready. Right now. I grab my purse and my keys and walk hand in hand with my best friend toward my destiny. Chapter 4 Carter. When I left Winsome ten years ago, I'd promised Beth I'd be back for her. I'd been a boy, making promises only a man should, but I'd meant them. I hadn't understood how little power I had until I'd been unable to do anything but watch as she slipped completely out of my grip. So, does she know you watched her get married? Dean, my agent, asks from his perch on my desk. God, I'm sorry I told you that story. I mutter and do one more push-up before I let my completely spent arms rest. Why? It's a fucking great story. I shoot him an irritated glance in the mirror. Yeah, it's great that I sat in the back pew of a church and watched my girl walk down the aisle toward another man. My wife was married before. Shit happens. Life throws us curveballs. But you've got your chance now and you're taking it. So, yeah. It's a great fucking story. It's how you got here. Your fans will eat it up. Yeah, I hope she does too. I spent years trying to get over Beth. After she married Billy, I spiraled badly. But I also wrote some of the best music I've ever written. Songs that became instant classics. That album of songs won us our first Grammy. And they were all about her. 
and us. And tonight, I get to sing them all to her. She's here, and I'm hoping this time I can get it right. I'm going to ask her for a lot, so I'm wrapping it around a gesture I hope will show her how serious I am. Well, Millie's going to die when I tell her you're finally going for it. She's slightly obsessed with yours and Beth's story. I'm glad we can make this show. Yeah, me too. Are her parents here too? Oh yeah, they wouldn't miss it. He stands up and walks over to where I'm sitting and puts a hand on my shoulder. You're going to do good, kid. I know this is a big deal, but you've been talking about this girl since the day I met you. You've been wanting this chance even longer. This is it. Go big or go home. Dean Orleans has been my manager for my entire career. We've been the making of each other. Our stars shooting into the stratosphere together, and he knows everything there is to know about me. So I confide in him. Something happened to her, Dean. Yeah, you said she burned her hand or- No, not that. Her face. On the left side of it, she's got a scar. What kind of scar? He touches his own cheek absently. A big one, from right below her cheekbone all the way to her jaw. It's like something tore her cheek apart. Oh, fuck. I don't know what happened, but it looks like it was bad. Those cuts are in a pattern. They're deliberate. And I want to fucking kill the person who put them there. The guy I hired to find her didn't mention it. She wears her hair in a way that covers it almost completely. He may not have seen it. Let me see what I can find out. No. I'm going to ask her myself. Not tonight, because that's not what it's about. Tonight is about making good on the promise I made her. No matter how long it takes, I'm not leaving without her. Not again. The set is ending. It's been an incredible show. The audience has screamed along with every song. The band and I have been in sync like crazy, improvising like motherfuckers. It's almost been like we've just been playing one of our jam sessions, where we decide to fuck the planned set and have a good time. And with every costume change, I've stolen a moment with Beth. She's sitting in the special seats we keep for VIPs at the side of the stage. Mostly it's spouses and kids, family members. I've never given those tickets to anyone. I haven't had a family outside of my bandmates for years. I didn't realize how badly I wanted it until tonight. It's been amazing to have her at a catch when I'm singing her songs. It's time for the final number, and it's just going to be me on my piano and for the first time in our concert history. I'm not singing one of our own songs to close us out. I'm going for broke and hoping I can show her and everyone who's watching just how much I love her and always have. Hey, Houston, I call out to the crowd as I adjust my microphone and try to get comfortable. The crowd roars back its approval, and I shoot them a smile that makes them scream even louder. No matter how many nights we do this, getting on stage, especially with a crowd this big, takes swallowing down fear. Some nights, it also takes a lot of alcohol. But usually, by the end of the show, I've sweated out my anxiety. I've bled my heartache, rebel yelled my triumph, and left it all on the stage. Tonight, though, when I sit down at my piano, I'm very aware of how many eyes are on me. I feel like it's my very first time on stage, and my nerves are in overdrive. 
I close my eyes, count to five, and when I open them, I focus on the woman who I'm here for and start talking. I have a special guest here tonight, I tell the crowd as I pick out a few notes on the piano. You guys know all the notes to the album, remember? So, you already know how I feel about her. Every word I wrote was about that woman over there. The crowd cheers wildly. The stage lighting shifts and drops a beam right over her and surrounds her in a full body halo. She looks so fucking beautiful. The camera that projects the performance onto the huge screens moves to her and the crowd goes crazy. Her big blue eyes widen and she looks around her in alarm, like she's not sure who I'm talking about. Then she drops her face into her hands. I can't tell if she's laughing or crying, but whichever, I hope it's out of happiness. I love you, Beth. Tonight, I wanted to take you back to the night we met. I hope you don't mind if I share a little of our story with everyone here, because it's the reason we're all here at all. She shakes her head with her hands still covering her eyes. Open your eyes, baby. I want you to see what I see. I coax softly, just to her. She hesitates for a beat, but then she slides her hands off her face slowly and looks at me. The moment our eyes lock, the rest of the world falls away, and it's just the two of us and my piano. Like it was the first time we fell in love. The night we met, my life was so bleak. I was sitting at my sanctuary, the piano I had to sneak into school to use, and was singing my mother's favorite song. Before that night, no one knew I sang. No one but me knew I could play the piano. I didn't know you were listening. How perfect was it that you walked out just as I sang about the moon and the stars, giving a gift to the endless sky? That's what you were for me in that moment light in the dark. It's because of you I decided to sing for the rest of the world. The crowd roars their approval, and Beth wipes away a tear that rolls down her cheek. We didn't have control over our lives then, but when I promised I'd be back, I meant it. I'm here now, and I want the world to know that if you'll have me, I'm yours. I don't want anything more then I want you to be mine too. She presses her lips together and her chin wobbles, but she nods. Come sit with me, I wanna sing to you, I ask and she nods again and I stand up and walk over to get her. She watches me with eyes the size of saucers, but holds her hand out for me to grab. I pull her into a hug and she wraps her arms around my waist and presses her head to my chest. Her shirt is backless, and I run my hand down from the base of her neck to her waist and remind myself that tonight, I'm going to have all of her. I bend my head to her ear. Thank you for coming. Wild horses couldn't have kept me away, but, oh God, everyone can see me, she shouts in my ear. Lucky them, I respond, and then walk us back onto the stage. I sit down at the piano and pull her down next to me. She looks up at the huge screen, sees us, and drops her face against my shoulder. So guys, this is Beth. She's the first girl I ever kissed, the only woman I've ever loved, and the person who saved me when I was in a pit that was so dark, I couldn't see a way out.
I lean in and kiss her. It's just a small touch, but it hits me square in my chest how much I've missed her and how close I came to losing her forever. The first song she ever heard me sing is the one I'm about to sing now. The first time I ever saw your face by Roberta Flack. It describes our first meeting so perfectly. I'd been in love with her for years before that. She was the nicest girl in school and the hottest. I wink at them and they cheer. And the first time I kissed her, my whole world changed. I tap out the first few keys and she looks up at me, her eyes wide with surprise and soft with tenderness. Oh my God, you're going to make me cry in front of all of these people? Yeah, it's only fair. Some of the songs I wrote about you made them cry too. And with my girl pressed to my side, my fingers do what they were born to. I don't look anywhere but her eyes while I sing the words of the song that's tattooed all over the memories of our time together. I promise her that between now and our forever, I'll never take her for granted. That from now on, we don't go anywhere if it's not together. That I'll take care of her as long as she'll let me. It's only when I play the last note that I realize the stadium is so quiet you could hear a pin drop. I look away from her and out at the crowd and expect to see a sea of blinking lights from mobile phones set to record, but it's almost pitch dark. I'm a crooner. I write and sing emotional songs, but I've never really shared more than superficial pieces of myself with my audience. I give them what they come for, great music that lets them get lost for a while. Was having this intensely emotional moment in public the worst idea ever? I turn back to Beth and cover my mic. You okay? She nods. You've never sounded more beautiful than you did just now, Carter. If my heart wasn't already irrevocably yours, that would have done it. Then she leans in, cups the back of my neck, and presses a kiss to my mouth. I forget the crowd's reaction, or lack of one, instantly. She loved it. She's who I was singing for. That's all I wanted. I cup her waist and slide her across the few inches separating us and kiss her back. That seems to break whatever spell the crowd is under and they erupt, so loud that their roar vibrates across the stage. And I remember this is still my job and we've got to close the show. She sits beside while we do our outro, letting the band sign off and thanking the crowd and then we all head backstage where her friends are already waiting. We mingle, she introduces me to her friends, and I introduce her to Dean and his wife, Millie. I try to make sure she's in touching distance the whole time. She said yes to me in front of a huge crowd. I kind of put her on the spot. I want to talk to her in private, make sure she's saying yes because she wants what I'm offering, and not because she had thousands of people watching her. We got separated when our tour manager takes me and the rest of the band to the meet and greet we sold as part of the VIP ticket package. I spend the next hour taking pictures and signing autographs for fans who paid for the experience. When I head back to our dressing rooms, the common area is deserted. My stomach does a small flip. She wouldn't have left without telling me. I know she wouldn't have. My phone is in my dressing room, so I head that way and pray that I'll be able to find her fast.
I fling the door to the room open, and it's pitch dark. I fumble along the wall for the light switch, and just when I find it, I hear her. I've been waiting for you, Carter. I flip the switch, and the sight that greets me makes my cock hard instantly. She's there, lying on her side like Kate Winslet, posing for Leonardo in Titanic. Naked as the day she was born, and with her hands already between her legs, working her pussy with two fingers and rubbing her clit with her thumb. You're not going to make me ask, are you? She asks. I growl, pull my shirt off, and get ready to give her the fuck of her life. Chapter 5 Beth I married the first man I slept with. I was a virgin on our wedding night. I didn't know anything, and he didn't bother to show me. My mother's only advice on my wedding night was that I should get drunk and think about all of the babies I'd have because I let him use my body. The babies never came, and after years of letting him use my body, all I knew of sex was pain and dissatisfaction. When I moved to Houston and Dina and I reconnected, she introduced me to the wonders of Tumblr porn and bought me my very first vibrator. So every orgasm I've ever had has been at my own hand. Today in the restaurant office was the closest I've ever come to having a man get me off. I've always felt confident about my body. I was an athlete in high school, and I still was. But I wasn't sure how I'd feel letting him see me like this. Because he's been all over the world, had real beauties on his arm. I thought that if the time finally came, I'd be afraid. But the feral possessiveness in his eyes and the haste with which he moves emboldens me. As I lie here, more vulnerable than I've ever been, fear is the very last thing I feel. He walks toward me, bare-chested, his powerful shoulders flexing as he works the buckle on his jeans. I don't stop fucking myself as I watch him, and by the time he peels the dark fabric down his hips and down his muscular thighs, I'm close again. I cry out and throw my head back into the pillows. Not without me, he growls before the mattress sinks under his weight. His big hands press against my inner thighs, and he pushes them open, and without saying another word, he nudges my hands away and replaces them with his mouth. My back arches off the bed, and I moan low and deep at the first feel of his lips on me. My fingers, still slick with my desires, spear into his hair and hold his head in place. His tongue sweeps up in one broad stroke, and his lips nibble my clit. I scream at the shock of pleasure that spreads like an undammed river through me. His big, strong hands move up my body in the broad strokes that are full of the same tenderness that his kisses have been. He plucks my nipples, strokes them with the pads of his thumbs, and the sensations flooding my body overwhelm me. I stop thinking and submit to the pleasure and my desires and how good his touch makes me feel. His lips finally cover my clit and he starts to suck it. It sets off fireworks inside and I can't remember what language I speak. I'm insensible as my orgasm rips through me like a tsunami. My toes curl into the mattress, and my fingers clench into fists in his hair, and I grind my pussy into his mouth until I can't move anymore. His lips on mine, coated in my cum, is the first thing I feel when my climax starts to loosen its grip on me. Oh my god, did I die? I breathe against his mouth. He laughs. No, thank fuck. He presses a hard kiss to my mouth, and I feel the head of his cock nudging my pussy. 
You ready? I nod. I put on a condom, but first thing we're doing tomorrow is getting tested so that I can fuck you raw. He grits out as he starts to push into me. I cry out at the unfamiliar pressure. It's been so long, and he's so, so thick. But I'm so wet that the pressure fades into pleasure right away, and I tilt my hips to take more of him. He lifts my leg and drapes it over his hip. Fuck me. Your pussy is lined with fucking stardust. How can you feel so goddamn good? He pants on a ragged whisper. Because I'm yours, Carter. He grunts and slams into me, seating himself to the hilt in one thrust and crashes his lips down on mine, swallowing my cries as he fucks me fast and hard. His dick is so big, fits me so tight, that I feel every single ridge as it moves in and out of me. The small bed smacks into the wall with every thrust, and I hang on for dear life. He buries his face in my neck and starts to suck, hard. He's marking me on the inside, too. He fucks me like he can't get deep enough. My body is singing. He's ruined me for anything else. Thank God he wants me for more than just one night. This wouldn't have been enough. He pushes his knees into the mattress and lifts me off my back and arranges us so we're sitting. I wrap my legs around his waist and he thrusts up into me. Ride me, baby, he demands. I don't, I don't know how to do that, I confess. His hands cup my hips, rocks them, and pushes deeper into me. I moan and roll them again. Just like that, he praises me. That feels so good, I pant. Fuck yeah, it does, he groans. Try this. He lifts me up slowly, sliding me off his cock and then pushing me back down. I throw my head back and sigh. Does that feel good? He does it again. This time he thrusts up and my thighs tremble. Oh my God, so good. I move myself this time and after a few more times I find a rhythm. He doesn't say another word. He just meets me thrust for thrust. I ride him until I feel the first flicker of my orgasm. I slide one hand off his shoulder and in between my thighs and start to rub my clit. His shudder runs through him and I open my eyes to find him watching me with the most exquisite look of ecstasy on his face. I feel a surge of power at the sight of this magnificent man beneath me, letting me set the pace, letting me find my own pleasure. And it's what sends me over. I come, clinging to him, and the cry that falls from his lips and fills the room like a song of victory. We're lying in the hazy afterglow of blistering orgasms, both of us drenched in sweat and gasping to catch our breath. This is the first time we've been together, but it feels like we've been doing this since the beginning of time. It's always been this way between us. Since the first time we met, we fit together like pieces of a puzzle. Perfectly, easily. And when we were together, the tableau of life goes from chaotic to sensible. So, I'm leaving tomorrow, he says and trails a hand on my back. I know, I don't. Will you come with me? just for a couple of shows, see how it goes. I don't even need to think about it. This is everything I wanted and didn't dare hope for. I have nothing keeping me here, except a job no one would be sad to see me leave. Do you need time? I don't want to rush you, he says when I don't respond right away. I want to laugh at the idea, as if I hadn't already waited 10 years for him. 
I have one condition. I smile mischievously. He laughs. Hit me with it. Promise not to serenade me on stage every night? What, once is enough for you? Uh, it's already up on every website, and CNN called it breaking news. So we can just relive the moment anytime we want. How about we relive our fuck first? He quips and rolls over on top of me. That sounds like a great idea. When he kisses me, I don't close my eyes, and neither does he. And in his, I see forever. Welcome back. Hi. We hope you loved that full-length novel. <laughs> I guess I guess it's a novella, technically, but... I wanted to mention that a few days ago, we had a bundle come out for the Virgin series. Oh, my God, Virgin yes. <laughs> we should have talked about our books. <laughs> There's four books yeah. in the bundle. Yes. I don't know how... That's- you don't know what it's the virgin. I was bundle. like, I can't remember what the price is. So I, I was like, yeah, yeah <laughs> I know it's it's bundled up together. It's four books. I know the virgin roommate was on the podcast, right? It was we had the audiobook on the podcast. Um, we had it in ebook, but it was only up for a limited time, so we pulled it down after that. This is the it's the same book, but it's finally available again. So if you didn't get the Virgin Roommate that you heard on the podcast, if you didn't, and it's got I think it's got bonus epilogues in the ebook. Yeah, it does. And so, um, if you didn't read that already, you can get it in this bundle. And it's only going to be available in this bundle, but it's got like four other books or three other books with it. Well, re- releasing the bundle, it's going to be two ninety nine. So individuals are two ninety nine, but the bundle for like the first week will be $2.99 and then it'll go up to the bundle price yeah so definitely go get it now don't wait (laughs) so do that and then um oh I'm thinking about it up next week we've got drum roll I can't do the drum roll we have Tori Baker she has a brand new audiobook with us it's called Jack's I'm super excited about she said that to us so we're gonna be featuring her next week so if you're ready for another full-length brand new book, get ready. It's coming. All right. Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance. Read, read me romance.